0: Hi again, everyone. My name is Tim Muma, and you're listening to Management Decisions here on LocalJobNetwork.com radio. Now, This is a podcast dedicated to topics and issues that upper management and employers in general are definitely concerned about. One's culture within an organization is a huge factor, as it can affect various components of a company's performance and individual talent. One individual with a strong pedigree and success in developing a great workplace culture is Cheryl Jenkins. Cheryl is the senior vice president of IntelliDyne, and she's been recognized as a true difference maker in the area of creating involved and engaged businesses. Cheryl, thanks for coming on the show today.
1: Thank you for having me.
0: Of course, as I mentioned, this is a hot topic in a lot of organizations, the idea of culture. I guess I'll just throw that simple question out to you first. Why is building this great corporate culture so important for any organization?
1: Well, when someone comes to work, it really shouldn't be, you know, dreadful. They shouldn't hate Sunday evenings and be stressed out about coming to work. So employees should look forward to going to their jobs. They should enjoy the challenges that they have there, as well as their coworkers workers in the overall environment. So like I said, coming to work should not be stressful. Right. With that said, our culture, you know, is all about employee engagement and motivation, So when you have a happy employee, you know, the results are typically more innovation and productivity. Then in turn, use your culture to help drive your recruiting efforts. So if we're looking to hire talented people, we really want them to be able to feel and define the culture as soon as they walk in the door and realize that that is the place that they want to work. So when you put a focus on culture you know that becomes your guiding principle mm-hmm. so it's not it's not difficult to make hard decisions you know it's not it becomes easier to make a hiring decision and sometimes you have to terminate an employee so if you base it on your culture and your guiding principles you know while we hate to terminate someone you rest better at night you know that you made the right decision because your culture what is your glue? It keeps the company together. So it really guides the entire organization.
0: Well, I think that's a great way to put it and obviously uh, expresses the importance of having that be almost a backbone, as you kind of phrased it there. Now, can you give the listeners an idea of where you're coming from in terms of your personal experience with whether it's changing the culture or affecting the workplace in some way? Obviously, I mentioned sort of in the introduction there your uh, your background with that, but can you give us maybe an example or, or your personal experience that so the listeners can latch on to?
1: Yeah, started my career, I worked for an organization where every employee knew and understood the culture. It was okay to raise issues. It was okay to disagree constructively about an idea, knowing that the best idea won. Everyone was valued. So it really resonated with me because it tied closely to the way I live my personal life. So when I joined IntelliDyne, the culture really wasn't clear to me. Mm-hmm. People had fun and they celebrated, but they really didn't understand the impact that they personally had on the growth of the business. They didn't understand the impact they had on, say, the cost of health benefits. I think I was very instrumental in helping change IntelliDyne's culture to have a very powerful knowledge base when it comes to our employees, to have senior leadership, have the commitment of helping intelli become more collaborative, more right. energized, become a high-performing organization. One of the benefits of that is by helping educate employees, say, for example, on their health benefits. Last year, we were able to realize a half a million dollar savings in our health benefits and actually reduce premiums where other companies are increasing premiums. Making the culture so that employees are able to ask questions, they feel comfortable, you know, challenging us, and they feel comfortable bringing forward ideas. Along with the senior leadership, I played a very critical role in that change.
0: Well, what's interesting is, uh, you know, describing some of the items there, and we'll get into some more details as far as maybe strategies or, you know, maybe some advice really you can be giving to those listening. I often saw the term human capital nurturing when it came to your work or maybe your ideas a little bit. What does that term mean to you when you hear human capital nurturing?
1: Well, I guess when you're in an industry like Intel, where we're a government contractor, you know, employees are our most important resource. Without those employees, we really wouldn't be in business. So we promote and nurture the culture and employees, they should know that they're valued and respected. So when I think of human capital nurturing, it's how we invest in our hiring practices, our training, you know, nurturing our employees through health care or wellness programs. And so if an organization wants to grow employees you know hold the organizational knowledge if they leave the the knowledge walks out with them mm-hmm. so you know to nurture you kind of need a plan of how are you going to hire and develop that talent to get the most out of those employees you know, i think of the phrase you know you reap what you sow. so we try to sow a lot into our employees and that could involve you know having a defined career goal or a personalized training plan, being part of mentoring, or you know receiving continuous performance feedback, or having a culture where employees again truly know that they're valued and respected, I think helps nurture them.
0: You brought up mentoring there as being a part of all of that, and I wanted to touch on that aspect as well. Um, you know that seems to be a big part of your success as an organization and and maybe just as a whole. Can you fill us in a little bit on how mentors can impact? an organization, uh, maybe what type of mentoring you see as being beneficial. Just maybe give us a little inside look into what mentoring means to an organization.
1: I truly believe that mentoring comes in many forms. You know, you could have a formal mentoring program where it's set up within the organization and managed from say, a centralized location where a mentor is assigned to a mentee. And we do have that. Mm-hmm. But you can also have informal mentoring which is typically developed through, you know, your working relationship or just feeling comfortable talking to someone. Right. I personally believe that every interaction is a mentoring opportunity. Hmm. When you are in a meeting or in a setting and something's being discussed and, you know, you're not quite clear on what's being talked about. I'll give you the example of, say, proposals. And a lot of acronyms are thrown around. And, you know, sometimes people just sit there and listen. But if you really <laughs> don't know, you should raise your hand and say, hey, can you take a minute and explain that to me? Okay. Or how does that impact my role? So when you're in a, in a setting or a meeting, um, I just truly believe that every opportunity is a mentoring opportunity. If you There's something that's always said in a meeting that you may not really understand. And that's a way to gain knowledge. Again, we encourage employees to participate in a formal mentoring program, but the big impact is in your day-to-day work where mm-hmm. you're, you know, working with a peer or, or a leader or someone from a different company that may be on your project. You know, just sharing that knowledge.
0: What about on the flip side, maybe mistakes that occur when um, somebody is trying to mentor or maybe as you brought it up, there might be an opportunity there. What sort of issues come up or do you think it really the only problem ends up being when somebody doesn't take advantage of those opportunities?
1: Well, I think, you know, you definitely need the support of the most senior leadership in the organization okay. for them to encourage the employees that, you know, mentoring is an option. Um, there are multiple ways to grow your career, and I think we ch- we try to emphasize that while we have the programs in place, the ownership is on the individual to participate in these programs. I think they tend to be not as successful when they're not flexible, when they're not structured enough to meet the needs of the employee, when there aren't any tools or resources given. Everyone doesn't really know their true value as a mentor. Mm -hmm. I had someone who, you know, we had encouraged, it was a senior person to be a mentor. And she said to me, I don't know what I have to offer. I, I can't, there's nothing I can give. So, you know, we helped her understand how she could mentor someone. And if an organization doesn't have those tools and resources in place and they just have someone be a mentor and they don't really understand their own impact, I could see where that would fail, where the mentee would not be as successful or gain as much value out of that relationship.
0: Another area that I found interesting, um, just in some of the materials I was given and talking about some of the work that you've done and, and been involved with, is the idea that good deeds can be extremely valuable in helping the company, not just obvious, you know, the obvious benefit of helping others. Can you explain, though, the correlation of how doing good deeds for others can essentially bring it back and lead to success within an organization as well?
1: Yeah, I think every person feels a sense of accomplishment or fulfillment when they give to others. And giving to others could mean internally in the organization or externally. And from a corporate perspective, it makes you feel proud of your organization, that you're in a community, not only there doing your work, but giving back to that community, you know, when you wear a particular sh- T-shirt of a drive or a campaign that you may have participated in, and then someone comes up to you and say, hey, what, I know that organization. Sure. Do you, are you this or that? Or how did you give to that organization? Or You know, we tend not to just give money, but to give time and to go to, say, the Fisher House and Spend time and talk to the people that you, you're actually impacting, you know, and you bring that back to the organization, it, it energizes them. For example, today we have employees at lunchtime making paracords and that's the bracelets that um, military soldiers or, or people wear when they're out in the, in the trenches and if they need it, you know, they can undo that paracord and they can use it for survival. So for a group of employees, I think it was like 20, to come together and do that, it energizes them. It makes them, you know, have this burst of energy to go back to their jobs and be more creative. Hmm. So I, I can see the correlation of doing a drive or something that personally impacts something that an employee cares about. And they come to work with a sense of pride and they want to work hard for that organization because they know that organization cares.
0: How do you handle individuals who might not want to participate or maybe they have some concerns uh, for whatever reason? Does that become a a difficult area to handle or is there a strategy you like to use if that comes up?
1: It's not really difficult to handle. It kind of makes me sad (laughs) Um, from a personal standpoint (laughs) that, you know, they don't want to participate because I like to think we do some wonderful outreach programs, but it does kind of impact I'd hate to say their growth, but their recognition. You know, if you're an employee that's always engaged in things that the organization is doing, you know, you participate by being a mentor or mentee, you participate in the corporate social responsibility activities, you raise your hand to volunteer to work for a project, that employee becomes extremely visible to senior leadership. And they're going to continually get opportunities. And when you think of, hey, I need someone to work on this project, that person's going to come to your mind. So we don't really, you know, do anything or penalize those who don't participate. It just limits their visibility. It it makes you wonder, why aren't you wanting to give back? You know, we don't say you have to do this. But if you do this, it makes you a more well-rounded employee because you're interacting with other employees across the organization versus just in your line.
0: And I was just curious, too. You mentioned, obviously, that you said uh, you you do some good things uh, within your organization. Any suggestions out there uh, for people who are looking for something uh, that they could do or, or some of the programs or activities you've taken a part in?
1: We tend to try and focus on veteran outreach. Okay. We participate in the Fisher House. I'm not sure if many listeners or you're familiar with that, but it reminds me of the McDonald House uh, where, you know, you have sick kids and it's a place where families go to stay. Well, the Fisher House is where families, uh, military personnel go to stay. So if you have a family member that's in the military that's, say, in Walter Reed or some other medical facility, the Fisher House provides, you know, pretty much housing for their family members so they can be closer to them. So we participated with the Fisher House last year. We did, you know, we built the walkway. We did some electrical work. We moved the lawn and planted flowers. And this is very easy for anyone to do. We've collected cell phones for soldiers okay. where you basically had a box. And you bring in your old cell phone and you donate it. And then they turn the cell phones pretty much into dollars so that military personnel that are away from home can call back home by using these calling cards. We've adopted a platoon where we've sent, you know, we've collected all the supplies that are on the list and then we box them up and they go to a military platoon for them to use anything from beef jerky to, say, deodorant. So there are a lot of different ways to give back to the military and, and other organizations. Right now, we have a campaign, That's hashtag 365 acts of kindness for number four vets. And we're encouraging our employees and other companies to do an act of kindness for a vet every day and tweet it. We actually created a website um, where where you could do many things. And what we also do is we encourage family members to participate. So if we have the hashtag 365 acts for vets, now, I asked my husband, I say, you know, when you're mowing our lawn, we have a neighbor about two doors down. I'm like, can you go and mow their lawn as well? Because the husband's stationed away and, they, you know, I think they have four kids. Or during Memorial Day, when I went to visit my father's grave site, I went to visit another grave site and, and plant, you know, put floral arrangement on it. Mm-hmm. Or, you know. So we we tweak different ways to give back to vets. Go visit one in, in a, a facility, but it's really about giving of your time and yourself. And we try to do it as a group uh, because one, it's it's fun, and you get that energy. The most recent activity we also did was Soul for Souls. We started out wanting to collect shoes to donate. To Soul for Souls, and that's a nonprofit organization, and they provide the shoes to devastating areas around the world. Okay. And in conjunction with another organization, we actually collected over 2,200 pairs of shoes. Wow. And our goal was 500. (laughs) Um, So I'm always proud, you know, our Intel and our employees step up every time, no matter what we ask. We've asked to do a closed drive for dressed for success. You know, we did the this, this shoes, we did the cell phones, we did the adopt-a-platoon when there was Hurricane Sandy. You know, our CEO loaded up a van of items that employees had donated and drove it up to Jersey. Our employees step up each and every time that we, we want to do something like that. And now they bring the ideas to us. Mm-hmm. The idea of the paracord came from an employee out at one of our regional sites. Um, And it kind of bubbled up to the corporate office and we we support it. So there's so much you can do. And, you know, I truly recommend to anyone, just get the employees involved, see what they're involved in, because if they're involved in it, they already have an energy behind it that can kind of bubble up into the organization.
0: Well, I appreciate you filling us in on a number of the items there and activities people can get involved with. And obviously, it sounds like your crew over there really does get into it and helps out uh, overall. We are starting to get a little bit against the clock here, but I do want to quickly ask about uh, the importance of wellness within the company, how that affects culture and productivity. Uh, Maybe you can just give us a quick overview of, of what you think works best and why it's important to make sure that that is another aspect that employees focus on when you're talking about the culture.
1: I think wellness definitely needs to be a voluntary event. Um, you can't beat an employee over the head. with a two-by-four about maintaining, you know, a healthy culture. You kind of have to guide them to it. So the very foundation of our program comes from our leadership team. We walk the talk. You know, we participate in all our wellness activities. We unveiled our wellness program when I joined in 2009 with the strategy of take control of your health. And we just demonstrated to them the cost of the health benefits that we had and that they could help control that cost by you know participating in certain things so we do lunch and learns about you know if you lose 10 pounds how your blood pressure can go down and how you can alleviate your medication which then kind of ties to our cost for, for pharmacy medicine right so to promote a culture of wellness you know we leverage our social media we engage our employees. We, you know, engage our community. We actually engage the families. We want them to participate because if the employee is trying to have a healthy lifestyle, it doesn't help if they go home and their families, you know, munching on Doritos <laughs> versus having a healthy apple. So we truly try to educate the benefits of being healthy and participating in our wellness program. And again, it's not mandatory. We don't want employees to feel forced to do it. We want to have a sense of energy and of ownership. We don't want it to be, you know, pushed on anyone.
0: Right. Now, have you noticed a difference in performance for individuals who have taken those steps and have been able to take advantage of maybe some of the programs and activities you guys are, are offering over there?
1: Yeah. I mean, we've had employees talk about how they feel sharper. You know, their head is fresh or clear, they feel like they're getting better night's sleep. Therefore, they're coming in with a lot more energy. A lot of times, you know, they would say, I was overweight. I didn't realize how that was impacting my sleep habits and, you know, then coming to work being lethargic. Or the way we we eat, you know, when we have a meeting with a lunch or a dinner, we now order healthy meals. And at first they grumbled, <laughs> but now, you know, if we were to have a cookie. And they were like, what do you mean we have cookies today? So I can really see how our attendance has increased as far as people not coming to work sick or staying out sick because they are committed. So sometimes people would come in, you know, and they would be sick. We provide them with their flu shots and that allows them, you know, to not miss as much work. So we can definitely see the benefits of having a very healthy workforce.
0: Well, again, I think you've given us a lot of good information and some ideas for the listeners out there. Uh, We are, as I said, right up against the clock now. I wanted to give you the uh, opportunity at the end just to throw out any other final pieces of advice or a good takeaway for our listeners when it comes to whether it's the importance of culture or what you think um, really should be emphasized that could help our listeners who might be in a situation that uh, IntelliDyne was before you stepped in.
1: My recommendation would be to engage your employees. A lot of times organizations think that they or leaders at the top of the organization think that they know what's best for the company. The best thing that we ever did, and I I encourage our listeners to do that, is create an employee advisory council. And it's a group of employees across the company that are pretty much embedded in the organization. And they push information down, but they also bubble information up. And that's a good way to connect with your employees and hear them and, and understand what their needs are. And that's the best way to create a culture of communication, listening, and respect.
0: It's a very interesting idea, and I think one that uh, many of our listeners might take advantage of. With that, we will wrap up this edition of Management Decisions. Again, we've been examining some strategies, maybe to aid in your workplace culture. We have been speaking with expert Cheryl Jenkins. She's the senior vice president of IntelliDyne. Cheryl, thanks again for joining us. It's been a pleasure to get your insight today.
1: Thank you for having me.
0: And as always, we want to hear from you, the listeners, as well. Just shoot us an email to LJN at localjobnetwork.com if you have any comments, questions, or suggestions. You can also find us on Twitter. We are at the LJN. Also, use hashtag LJN Radio and send us uh, any advice or comments you have for us as well. For everyone here at LJN Radio, I'm your host, Tim Yuma. We'll talk to you later.